Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS. And that link will be in the show notes. Don't, you know, don't set yourself up for a situation where you're just going to give yourself more evidence that you're not good at making changes. Welcome to the Less Stressed Life Podcast, where our only priority is providing those aha moments to uplevel your life, health, and happiness. Your host, integrative dietitian nutritionist Krista Bigler, helps health-conscious women reduce the stress and confusion around food, fatigue, digestive, and skin issues at lessstressnutrition.com. Now, on to the show. This episode of the Less Stress Life podcast is brought to you by the Women's Health Minute Flash Briefing. Now, to get the Women's Health Minute Flash Briefing, which is going to give you everything from hormone info to stress tips to just anything related to women's health, go into your Alexa app application and go under Skills and Games and search for Women's Health minute flash briefing. At the moment, you can try to say, Alexa, please add the Women's Health Minute skill, but it's taking a little bit of time to recognize that. So to bypass it, you can go into the app and enable the skill. You can actually go to Amazon too. Go to Amazon and search for Women's Health Minute, uh, the skill, and click on enable if you have an Alexa device. And then you can tell your Alexa to, Alexa, where's my flash briefing? Or Alexa, Play my flash briefings or Alexa, play Women's Health Minute, and it should give you a new flash briefing every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to help you uplevel your life, health, and happiness. Okay, today on The Less Stressed Life, we have Dr. Sasha Hines, who is a developmental psychologist and life coach and an expert in positive psychology, lasting behavioral change, and the science of getting unstuck. In her private coaching practice, she helps achievement junkies feel good on the inside as their lives look on the outside. As a graduate of Harvard University and a working mom, she's lived life on the front line of the battle with perfectionism. So I'm really excited to get into this topic because I think it's a it's a common thing I've seen in myself. I see it in clients. I had a conversation with someone today. Like We, we don't have to get everything done. We don't have to be perfect. So I'm excited to hear your take on this um, and how you do it professionally. Mm-hmm. Welcome. Hi. So happy to be here. Yeah, so let's talk in about spirit, in the spirit of non-professionalism, we have <laughs> construction going on next. Door, That's okay. So. People really like realistic <laughs> things, so we'll just say right now there's construction. We will have a giggle if we hear it; it'll be fine. So let's first talk about let's get some definitions out of the way. Tell me what positive psychology is, um, and kind of how you landed there. Mm-hmm. 
So positive psychology so loosely is the study of the correlates and causes of um, happiness, well-being, optimal functioning, um, positive character strengths, you know, positive institutions, et cetera. So we're looking at from a wide variety of like, you know, under trying to sort of deconstruct what are people that self-report as being exceedingly happy and thriving in their life? Like what is, what is, what do they have going on in their life that, that seems to be um, a consistent theme of people who are, who self-report as happy and also, um, you know, looking at people who are exceptionally talented and successful, like how did they, um, what do they do that's different than other people? Um, you know, like what habits have they developed or what um, strategies or mindsets or particular ways of doing things that have helped them kind of rise to their ranks um, and achieve some degree of excellence. Um, and then also just sort of on a larger scale, um, there's a, a, you know, people that also study what we call positive institutions. So that would be, like, you know, uni- you know, schools, um, governments, hopefully, um, uh, you know, and other religious institutions, like things that are a part of creating a positive community. Okay. So it sounds really good in theory. I was thinking about some things as you were talking, like when we're kind of looking at someone else and we think, how does that person do that? Um, some of those, like mm-hmm. looking at those traits and figuring that out, but maybe we should hear your story. Cause it sounds like you had to go through a little bit of a process to arrive at deciding to practice this and help other people with this. I read your website. Sure. And so it, you have a little bit of a backstory too. You have that like typical, like I did these things, um, and things just aren't the way like they're like not perfect. How, how we thought they were going to be. So tell us your story a little. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that my uh, my story is one of um, of someone who sort of believed that if if I worked hard and achieved the things that I was told were important to achieve um, and go after them with all my energy, um, the achieving of them was going to make me happy and make me fulfilled and make my life make sense. And when indeed I did achieve some of those things in my life instead of having that moment of like, you know, the the heavens open and the birds are singing and everything is perfect. It felt the opposite, which is like, I'd lost the purpose in my life, which was, you know, whatever, whatever it is for people, whether it's like, you know, um, achieving something professionally or getting into the school in, in my sort of early years, that was the, you know, that was the goal that, that mattered most to me, but whatever it is like you've achieved the big thing and there's this kind of ho-hum feeling afterwards like okay I did that but now a I don't know what I want or what matters and um it's this really funny thing I have the same brain that I had before I achieved you know before I kind of crossed the finish line so Mm -hmm. I had a momentary blip where I felt happier and then it was back to baseline like back to me normal me right and I think I I felt like this feeling of like, hey, I've been sold a bill of goods. Like none of this stuff doesn't isn't gonna make you happier. Um and I and I think I just felt totally lost. Um, you know, and and for me it was like it was applying to, to college. It was like my my myopic focus of my entire childhood was like trying to get into the school I wanted to get into. Um and then once I got there, so it was like, oh, okay. Now, now what? You know, now what? yeah. 
now what? I'm just the same person. I have the same, um, you know, anxiety. I have the same dread. I have the same, um, like even my same brain generating not very pleasant emotions, um, despite my circumstances or my, you know, the sort of facts of life being different. Mm-hmm. Well, I understand this because one of yeah. my core values is achievement, you know, and so I like things to get done. But at this end of the day, you know, we beat ourselves up about things. So, I mean, the real picture here is that we're putting something on a pedestal. And a lot of us are doing this. Like, if I just do this, things will be better. If I just have this other thing, mm-hmm. things will be better. It's this, it's, it's the uh, culture of more. And then when you get more, you're like, oh, well, nothing, you know, I didn't change myself, so nothing feels different. Like it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like I'm, I just reached the Holy Grail because it, you know, I mean, it's, it's almost like we have these unrealistic expectations, I guess, maybe. I don't know. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Well, I, mean, I think it's just, I think achieving is awesome. And I too, I would say is probably one of my top, um, you know, whether it's values or um, just sort of my orientation to the world. Like I definitely am an achievement oriented person for sure. But um, I think the way that you do it matters tremendously. So if you're achieving to fill the need, which is a belief, like I'm not good enough, or I'm not competent enough, or I'm not smart enough, or, um, you know, whatever that not enoughness is, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not thin enough, whatever, right? no matter what you achieve, no matter what, you know, number on the scale you get to, or no matter what number of degrees you get, or <laughs> I can't hear all this. Yeah, anyway, no matter what you get to, it's not going to change that underlying belief. So what happens is you get to, you, you achieve the thing, you get the degree, you get the promotion, um, you know, you hit the number on the scale and you're like, okay, for a minute you feel good, but then that belief of like, I'm not good enough is still there, right? It hasn't been healed. So, so you know, it's, so the achievement that you think is going to solve this problem of, you know, this belief system that makes you feel terrible, it doesn't solve that problem, right? So when you're achieving with that as the motivation, it's always going to feel like a pyrrhic victory every single time. Right. Right. But you can achieve from a different um, motivation. You can achieve for the joy of achieving, right? For the seeing what's possible and seeing what you're capable of. It's a totally different kind of energy. Yeah. This is this reminds me of something I heard yesterday that stuck to me. It was a it was actually a podcast kind of by like a yogi who said, Yeah, getting into your spirit and just talking about like appropriate goal setting and how sometimes I think I just I think the 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 stats behind goal setting are, are problematic, right? Like we, we shoot really high and we don't always hit that, but really like when we're making goals, is it what you really want or is it in the spirit of more, 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 right? And so kind of establishing Mm -hmm. what you want, you were talking about how you got to the Holy grail, right? You finished your career. You got, you got the, you got the degree, but, um, is it really lying in purpose um, that you felt that that you felt felt the discontent? Like you didn't have a perp, you felt you realized you didn't have the purpose you thought you did, or if that was your only purpose, is that is that where things fell short? Is that where people should start their focus? Um, like if someone has this experience and they realize they got somewhere and it wasn't exactly where they wanted to be, what's their first step? Right. I mean, I think that absolutely a huge piece of it is like it's a meaning gap, right? It's like I'm not having a sense of um, 
understanding like wait why am i the why why am i doing this right am i doing this because it's externally motivated and i think that somehow it's going to make me um you know like seem more important which you know is, is my is my uh, motivation externally oriented or is it internally motivated am i doing this because i'm just passionately interested in it or i'm I, you know, I love the, you know, the study, this area of study or like solving this problem matters to me, right? Or whatever the motivation is, is it internally driven or is it something that's more external? And for people that don't have access to their, you know, that don't, that never learn to have um, access to their emotions, um, which is a lot of us, I mean, I'm raising my hand in that group. Right. It's hard to distinguish between the two. Between purpose right? and emotions? If you don't show up, no, no, between internally and externally motivated. Oh. It's very hard to distinguish between the two, right? You're like, well, everyone, people tell me, my parents, teachers, uh, you know, just like bosses, whatever, colleagues, society, culture, tells me that these are the things that I should be going for. So, therefore, that's what I'm going to go for. If you don't have, if you're not, you know, fluent in your own internal emotions and understanding what am I feeling, you know, what's going on in my body, you're connected to your, your body and your emotions. It's very hard to distinguish between an externally motivated goal and an intrinsically motivated goal. Yeah. Give us an example of how someone may like how someone may identify, give us a, like a real life example of that. I, I follow what you're saying, but just case study or, or whatever, like for example, Sure. Um, you know, for example, like in an, the, we're using an academic example, but could be, you know, my, you know, I, I'll use me as an example. My, both my parents went to Harvard. I just, from the day I can, I cannot remember a time that I didn't want to go there and felt like this is what I, you know, wanted for myself. But it was very much driven by believing that, this is what my parents wanted for me and this is what I was supposed to do. And the world will applaud that and say, Oh yes, Yeah. It's like, that's really a great goal. Go for it. Right. What's, what's not to, you know, what's right. not to support in someone wanting to like, you know, go to a great university. But if I internally, like I, I see students now, you know, especially as I, I worked, um, you know, I taught grad program at 10 for a while and, you know, I'd see students there and, you know, students are actually asking themselves questions like, oh, well, I went to such and such school because they had an amazing, you know, drama department or they had, you know, their, their computer tech department was really amazing and that's what I wanted to do. And I would look at them like, wow, <laughs> I had no sense of that in my teenage years. I did not have that like internal knowing of like, oh, this is what I'm interested in. This is what lights me up. This is what's exciting and interesting to me. I was just like, oh, you tell me what I'm supposed to be doing and I'll go do it. Mm. You are an obliger. Right. Uh, right. I don't really agree with the four tendencies <laughs> um, <laughs> in general. But yes, yes, I'm a people pleaser for sure. People pleasers are just codependent. That's it. Okay. So a, a people pleaser is someone who is dependent on other people's like emotions, right? Mm -hmm. To feel good. Yeah. So that's what a people pleaser is. 
And that's what a codependent does. It's like, I'm going to take your temperature to know what I'm, what temperature I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that example right there. That was great. So very much. I grew up like that. And a lot of people do, mm-hmm. I think women more than men in general. And, um, and so for me to be able to distinguish, like, wait a minute, what do I want? What do I actually want was very difficult. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, so, I, and I find this to be true for many, many of my clients as yeah. well, right? Where they're like, I don't even know, right? It's the beginning of this journey of being able to decipher, wait a minute, what is it that, that I want? Like if no one was watching me and no one was paying attention and nobody else um, was part of this equation, like what would I actually want to do? Yeah. And sometimes we've just never been the, had the opportunity to be asked this, right? You know, and when someone sits yeah. down and says, what do you really want? I actually had to fill out a questionnaire yesterday about like, what do you want your legacy to be? And I think, I don't know yet. I don't feel like I've, I don't know what I want that to be. I kind of want to live in the, I kind of want to live currently as well. Um, but anyway, it's, you know, it's sometimes until someone asks you, you don't realize that you don't know the answers to those questions. So it's, it's valid. It's, it's understandable to feel that way. I like how you say on your yeah. website. I mean, I think my legacy now, like I wouldn't have said this. I'm going to try to go here. I wouldn't have said this years ago, but you know, the legacy more than anything that I want is really to the people in my life, when they think of me, right, they felt seen by me, that they felt like their experience was being reflected in, in me, like that they, that I saw them and was able to like reflect um, their experience back to them. Like that would matter so much to me more than anything, right? That they just felt that sense of home and safety when they were with me yeah my closest like my family and those closest to me yeah I love how you were just able to put like a non-materialistic thing into words because I think so often when we think of these things they become material things right don't they kind of sort of you know or they're kind of pretty big and wishy-washy but that was something that that guides your behavior every day right that legacy you just said it guides your behavior every day and it, I mean, it really is rooted in purpose, I think, as well. Yeah, and I think when I get into the place of trying to, like, if I want the, you know, what do I want my legacy to be, like, happy and healthy kids, oh, you know, I'm a mom, then I become attached to the idea of my kids being happy and healthy, and then I become a maniac. <laughs> like, wait, you're not happy? Why are you not happy? I need to make you happy, right? right. Then I make it into my own my own achievement that I need to, it's something I need to do, which makes me not present with them and, and not, you know, not paying attention really. Right. Cause I'm in my own head. Right. Yeah. I understand. It reminds me of the book I'm reading right now called parent effectiveness training, which another guest had recommended all about, um, a kind of open-ended um I forgot what you call it you would know it off the top of your head it's uh when someone says to you I you know your kid comes from from school and says I you know no one would play with me today and you say it sounds like that you're sad about no one playing with you today and then you just give them a chance to kind of unwind it and solve their own problem essentially so kind of (laughs) kind of mom mom counseling your child instead of giving them advice almost right and try to solve their problem for them because when we solve problems for people Mm -hmm. all the time um, maybe that's where we come up with codependency. I'm not really sure. I'm just kind of going, I'm, I'm, I'm just surmising here. So, yeah. Um, uh, so exactly. you, so I mean, you, I think that it's, it's hard to do. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, so on your website, you say that the absence of illness doesn't equal health. And I couldn't agree with that more. You also say real health is about enhancing the positive. So if someone can't put their finger on enhancing the positive, how do you describe that? Mm -hmm. What does that actually look like? So enhancing the positive essentially would mean what are you doing every day? And it's a thousand little things. Um, what are you doing every day to enhance your well-being? Whether that's, you know, sort of like the basic um, physiological um, things that are important, like sleep and and what you're eating, what you're putting into your body, um, and exercise and moving and all of those things, but also managing your mind, right, so that you're really working like you have the same kind of discipline that you have to go to the gym or to eat what you makes your body feel better that you practice thinking in ways that make you feel better as well right and not getting into patterns of rumination and other things that are extremely unhelpful that to a large extent your brain is kind of wired to do right um right is 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 to to be vigilant hyper vigilant about what could go wrong to keep us alive Right. right. But there's ways that we can learn to manage that so it doesn't become overwhelming. Right. Well, on that note, and this is my favorite thing I, 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 um, I, re- I read from kind of your bio and whatnot. It was the topic of really, why is it so difficult? Because I struggle with this sometimes. And it's like, it's really, mm-hmm. um, it's really toxic when you make these habits that just are so distracting and um, unproductive, et cetera. So why is it so difficult for us to change unproductive and even harmful habits, like checking our phones too often or waking up and saying, I don't feel like working out, even though you know you want to, procrastinating, overspending, maybe drinking too much. Even though, like, we say we want to change, but then we don't do it. Like, why does this happen and why is it so hard to change it? Yes, um, it is so maddening. I think this is really one of the things that I'm most interested in because it's really the stumbling block for all my clients. Like, it's not the big stuff that trips people up. It's the little stuff, mm-hmm. right? It's the little daily eating away at your time in these little mini moments that you make a decision as you said, like, oh, I don't feel like working out today or I'll do it tomorrow or now I'll take care of that later. Or, you know, I'm stressed and anxious. I'm going to get on, you know, a line and start like putting things in my shopping cart. <laughs> like I'm going to online shop or um, exactly checking phone, checking Instagram and being, and then being like, oh my God, why did I just spend the last 40, how did I just spend 45 minutes here? What? Right. Instead of going to sleep or, doing something else that would move you forward, right? So it's, it's so frustrating because we're all very, you know, we're smart. We understand. It's not like people don't understand. It's not a knowledge gap that people yeah, have. Exactly. It's not the problem, right? It's, it's like in large part, it's a mindset gap because there's what's happening um, in, in this process is there's a commitment change, right? Yeah. Like I want to get to bed earlier. And then like, like I'll give you an example of this. I think this is like a very prevalent one that I see, with, especially with a lot of my clients who are moms. So they're like, I want to get to bed earlier. And then, but they're not, right? And then they constantly are just like, darn it, I stayed up, I'm, I stayed up too late, and I'm, I'm just feeling exhausted this morning, which snowballs, right? I mean, they're waking up tired, they don't want to work out, they don't work out, they feel crummy, they eat more crummy. Like, it's just snowballs into a lot of, un, you know, unhelpful behavior. So 
and they don't feel very good, right? So then we looking in, we'll look into it. It's like, okay, we, your commitment is to make this change, but you're not doing it. So what's going on? So what you want to look at is what is the hidden commitment, right? There's a hidden commitment. So below the, you know, the commitment that you're, that you're making in your neocortex or your like higher thinking brain is I want to get to bed earlier so I can feel better and wake up and work out and eat well. And like, it's going to have this cascade of effects. that's going to make me feel so much better the next day. And yet you're not doing it. So then the question is like, what's the hidden commitment? So the foot on the, the gas is like, I want to make this change. And then there's a foot on the brake, which is, I don't understand. I just can't get myself to do it. I say, I'm going to go to bed earlier. I set all the alarm clocks, et cetera, et cetera. And still I'm going to bed at, Midnight, I don't get it. So there is a hidden commitment, which is, and, and when you begin to dig into it, right? When, so we'll make an inventory of what are you doing or not doing that undermines your goal. So if your goal is to go to bed earlier, it's like, what are you doing or not doing? So the list might include like, I am scrolling on Instagram. I am fussing around in the kitchen. I go to the pantry and get an extra snack. I, you know, binge watch another show. I'm not turning off Netflix. Like I'm allowing it to just roll into the next show. I'm not getting into bed um, and reading so that I will like have some peaceful time in my bed. So before I fall asleep, like these are the things they're doing and not doing. Mm -hmm. And so we look at that list of like, what are you doing or not doing? And then begin to ask, like, what is this? If you had to go do those things, right? If you do, if you actually had to like do the opposite of what you're currently doing, which would mean all the things that would get you to bed on time, why would that feel awful? Like, what would what's that like uh, feeling, right? So instead, like having to, you're sitting there, you're watching Netflix in the back of your mind, you're like, yeah, but I made a commitment to go to bed earlier tonight, and then that voice is like, oh, who cares? Just one night, or oh, tonight, but I deserve it. I had a hard day, or right? What, what's going on? So what we're looking for is what's the belief system that is fueling this hidden commitment. And for, you know, some of my mom clients, it's, um, this is my me time, right? Like I need time to myself. Um, you know, everybody wants a piece of me all day and this is my time to do what I want to do. So there's this like underlying commitment to having autonomy, right? And having, not being told what to do. Right. I agree completely. So these are the, right. So these are the things that are competing. So if you're not addressing this issue, which is, you know, I just put my kids to bed. Now you want me to go right to bed and I have not a minute to do like some mindless frivolous thing for myself today. Like that, I don't want to do that. Right. So if you don't address that piece of it, you're never going to make headway. You're going to stay in this cycle of like, what's wrong with me? This makes no sense. Yeah. So it's, like it actually makes a lot of sense, yeah. right? When you look at it from that perspective, like, oh, I get it. You, this is how you're having me time or, and, and this is what you're calling it. You know, like this is how you're asserting your autonomy. The, and that's a big question. Like where are you, where else in your life are you not asserting autonomy? Are you doing stuff that you don't want to do? Are you saying, are you volunteering to things that you don't really want to do? Are you saying yes to you know, various things that you think you should be doing, but you really don't want to, right? So it's, it ends up being a much larger issue. 
Well, I'm loving it. I'm actually thinking about someone I talked to earlier today. Um, I mean, I feel like this this situation is true for all of us in some capacity in some form, but this particular um, scenario is very common. Very, very, very common, right? So, I mean, it feels like you have to figure out exactly the cause for you. What is the competing interest in your time, right? Are you rebelling against going to bed because you haven't had any time to yourself? So then what's the solution for that? Like, if you find that that's the root cause, what is the solution for this person? Is it creating multiple solutions and having them do that? Right. I mean, is, is that what it is? Well, so in, in a sense, like, what you, so as I said, it, it's not a knowledge gap. Like, everybody knows how to get to bed earlier, right? Um, it, could be, it could be, I don't want to get into bed because I'm having issues with my husband. And I don't want to have that, like, intimate moment. I want to wait for him to fall asleep. Like, these are the things that you need to dig into and find out. Like, what's the kid and commitment that's the roadblock here? And it's never just like, oh, I just have a lack of willpower. That's never the reason. Right. It just never is. It's always some deeper psychological, you know, there's always some like the other deeper psychological reason. And it could just be like, hey, I want I, you know, it's the, the like the toddler in us. It's like, I want my time. And if that's the case, then um, right, then it's helping them change their mindset so that they really begin to believe like they can begin to believe and practice the thought that like sleeping is my me time. Mm. Sleeping is my self-care. Sleeping is what I do for myself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Reprogramming the mindset, essentially. Towards right. A hundred percent. It's never, it's, yeah, it's never a, it's never a knowledge gap. It's always a mindset gap, right? And, and for some people, it's just help getting them to that, first, that stage where they can even identify what the true roadblock is. It can be really, really profound. And then where you do have to exert some, willpower is you have to go out as a sort of curious social scientist and start to, you know, the belief that like, if I, you know, go to bed right after I put my kids to bed, let's say they go to bed at like, you know, eight 30, you're like, I'm going to be in bed by nine or nine 30. That sounds super early, but most women get up really early and start their day really early. Right. So if you're like trying to get to bed earlier, you like older kids, they're going to bed at nine, you want to get to bed at like 10. So you have to begin to change the way that you think, okay, so I've been telling myself that this isn't, you know, this isn't fair. I want more time to myself. I never get time to myself. I never have any me time. Okay. So all of those thoughts are what's keeping you up later. So then as a social scientist kind of going out and beginning to test these thoughts, like, do they actually, are they true? Do they, are they actually true? Um, And beginning to take like one, you know, one of these thoughts, like if I go to bed, you know, earlier, then I'm not going to have any time to myself. Is that true? I don't know. It might be, it might not be. Right. Right. So then you start to go out and, and, and actively, and this is when it's very helpful to have a coach because then you have someone there to give you feedback who's like helping you stay on it. Um, but being willing to, to check in with yourself and honestly is best. Like, is this thought true or did I just make it up? Right. Yeah. Because oftentimes we want to excuse things that are very valid as not important, right? Yeah. Like people can go on for years doing that dance. of like, oh, I should get to bed earlier and they don't. Right. 
Exactly. Which but I will tell you, little things that you, yeah, I will tell you it's very damaging on your health because then you are chronically tired. Your cortisol is a mess. Your um, hormones become yeah. a mess. I mean, this is your primary piece of where you do your healing. So it's not really negotiable, <laughs> but I understand oh what gosh. you're saying. So true. So true. In fact, I remember when I was writing my dissertation and I was chronically sick, I had like, um, you know, I was getting sinus infections all the time and I, I went to this doctor um, who was a functional, uh, functional MD and, you know, I want him to honestly, like, I want them to tell me that I've got something seriously wrong with me because then I could label it, right? right? Like, I have a thyroid problem or like, I have, you know, something wrong and then I can address it. And when, when all said and done, the doctor was like, I think you're just not getting enough sleep, right? It was like, it was so obvious. Right. You feel, you almost feel bad or dumb, but what you really needed was for that person to give you permission to explore that avenue, right? Because you felt like you were such an achiever that you didn't have time to sleep, right? Uh, you just, oh, yeah. I mean, you're just yeah. too important. You know, you're, you're above it. Just get it done. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's, there's a right. reason and, you're, and- there's a reason your body got sick. It wanted some rest. <laughs> Right. And so, and it's so funny because like, you know, I don't know if you relate to this, but like a part of me totally would have rather had like a real problem than have someone tell me that I need to go to bed earlier. Right. People say that all the time. (laughs) (laughs) People people say that I'm like, oh, I wish it was this instead too. But I mean, it can be multiple faceted because once you stop being able to repair and have good sleep, then yes, other things do start going wrong, right? But you cannot make a substitution for sleep. It just doesn't work. Like there isn't, there is a reason we are spending a third of the day with our eyes closed. (laughs) It is, it is a necessity. So that's it. Right, Uh, right. Yeah. So, um, Sasha, if someone's listening to this today and knows you're speaking directly to them, and I know that there are people hearing this that's that, that know you're speaking directly to them. What's your action item for them? If there is an action item, like what's your gut feeling? What do you want them to take away? What could they do today to start making steps toward, um, living the life that they'd actually want a life instead of the one that they keep saying they're going to do? I mean, first and foremost, I would say there's nothing wrong with you. Like, I think that it's just so easy to go down this road where you're like, this catch-all, like, oh, I just don't have any discipline. I just don't have willpower. You know, I say I want to do this and then I don't go after it. It's like, that is not the problem. It's never the problem. Like, it really is not the problem. You, just being willing to explore and if it, and often it means being in a room with another person to explore these um you know, these sort of deeper layers and trying to understand like why, because there's always a benefit to the hidden commitment. Like your psychological system works like your immune system. So just like we try to fend off and fight off viruses that are in our system to keep us healthy, right? Our body is constantly every day fighting off bacteria and viruses so that we stay healthy. Your psychological immune system is doing exactly the same thing. So it's going to be fighting off anything that it thinks is threatening to homeostasis. Right. So you, that is the system that's actually going on. Like your, that's, you know, we call this immunity to change. So your, your psychological immune system has got you locked in a pattern that feels, it doesn't feel good, um, but, it's, but it feels familiar. So it's being willing to take that little like step towards the discomfort and the anxiety that's produced when we make a little bit of a change. Like 
change is so hard and being able to just recognize it is so difficult. There's nothing wrong with you. If you're having a hard time making changes, like exactly <laughs> like you are, you are doing it. It's like, it's, it's working exactly as it's supposed to work. So just, you know, being willing to um, whether it's hiring a coach, being able to have, you know, going to a great therapist, having that person who's going to help you pull apart the pieces of this sort of like the jumbled mess of thoughts in your head and the sort of the belief systems that you have that you're totally unconscious of that are driving your behavior without you even recognizing it. Yeah. Having someone help you point out that is, can be very critical. I mean, I would say that the times I uh, move the fastest is when I have someone telling me what, you know, helping, having someone help me unravel that. So, um, sure, absolutely. And don't like I, and the other thing I would say that I, and I think it's so important too is do not set yourself up for failure, right? Like if you know you're really not, you know, you're sort of like mm, kind of committed, like kind of committed isn't going to do it. So don't, you know, don't set yourself up for a situation where you're just going to give yourself more evidence that you're not good at making changes. Yeah, I like that. That's good advice. Dr. Sasha, where can people find you? Um, on my website. So www.drsashehinz.com. And also on Instagram, the same handle, Dr. Sasha Hines. Um, Instagram is my only social media outlet, and I just think it's fun. So, yeah, come hang out with me there. Perfect, great. Thanks so much for coming on and reading people's minds today. <laughs> um, hopefully, you've inspired some action. Oh my gosh! And thank you for helping me get over my moment of perfectionism and not worrying about the sound. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we all need to be reminded of things we preach. So <laughs> exactly. One of the best gifts you could give us at the Less Stress Life is your feedback. We are paid in podcast reviews. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, please leave us a review. In the iTunes store or from your podcast app, just search for Less Stress Life as if you're not already subscribed. Click on the banana face image, scroll to the bottom where it shows the text of other reviews, and write a review. While you're there, hey, make sure you hit subscribe. For Android or Stitcher users, you gotta go to the desktop site and search for less stress life and then scroll down to leave a review stitcher doesn't load apple reviews on their site so if you want you can leave a review in both places your feedback means a lot to the success of the show thanks so much for taking the time to do that you rock 